Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kind of for being a part of the show. We have a full show for you today. Hey, the Tupac killer has been found. Well, has been arrested, arraigned, all that. I think all that good stuff. Amazing. Amazing. That's almost 30 years ago. I was a kid then. Wow. But hey, it happened. It happened. It happened. Anyhow. We have great, infor- uh, great, great, great program today. Full, full, full program today. Um, anyway, uh, we got to get busy and get started rather quickly. So anyhow, folks, uh, it's important for you to know that uh, the, the things are starting to fall in place. Somebody already caved in the Atlanta case. as uh, I think somebody just put that up here as well, but I just saw that pass along on the television. It's going to be an interesting very interesting winter but you know um you know uh, i i have a message that i want to give folks anyhow folks welcome to politics and right welcome aboard welcome aboard welcome aboard e2247 welcome to e2247 welcome to eric hayes welcome to may wood welcome to ac rodriguez paul flem is in the house bruce pollard is here and he says friday today and i think he wants to go fry some food as well uh, Michael Rutnin is in the house. I love to have my AVQ around. Uh, why are you repeating? Don't repeat. Don't repeat. Don't repeat. I, I, okay. Well, you repeat it. Anyhow, welcome aboard. Uh, Lee Grant is in the house. Paul Fleming is in the house. And of course, our one and only Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. Welcome to Politics and Right. We've got a great show for you today. Well, let me go ahead and start reading. Rutnin has quite a few things for us to go. I'm a bit mad right now, Egberto. Mind playing the Guardian news clip. Diane Feinstein fast away uh, after being out of it for years, unable to fulfill the uh, necessary duties of her job. She should have retired uh, back in 2019 after this debacle, taken down to children who were seeking remedy to survive the future with passing the Green New Deal. Feinstein failed to pass any meaningful climate change legislation during her long time in office, despite retaining a liberal mantle and being praised for environmental protections after saving some redwoods and passing a vehicle fuel economy bill. I don't think she was ever considered a liberal. I mean, it was uh, her counterpart, the other woman, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name right now, that she was the actual liberal from California. Uh, let's see. I can't do the Guardian news clip. Again, uh, you know the reason why. Uh, Michael Rodden also said, right now, I'm kind of annoyed that the mainstream media for posting SHIT like this, leading with an environmental protection war, uh, record. And after you see the that Guardian news video, you'll understand why I'm ticked off. AP News, Feinstein, the oldest sitting U.S. senator, was a passionate advocate for liberal priorities important to her state, including environmental protection, production rights, and gun control, but was also known as a pragmatic lawmaker who reached out to the Republicans and sought middle ground. Her death came after a bout of shingles sidelined her for more than a, two months earlier this year, an absence that drew frustration from her most liberal critics and launched an unsuccessful attempt by Democrats to temporarily replace her on the Senate Judiciary Committee. When she returned to the Senate in May, she was frail and using a wheelchair, voting only occasionally. Look, uh, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. She was no liberal. She was no real environmentalist. I get it. But she's passed away. Let's give this day. Let's let it let let also remember that you don't go to the mainstream media for uh, when it comes to neoliberals on the main in the mainstream media. They are the ones that get all the accolades. You know, if, if it were AOC, uh, they would have said something to the effect. Hey, 
a radical and they, that didn't was not able to accomplish. You know how the mainstream media is. That's why you're here at Politics Done Right, Michael Rudnan. That's why we have independent media. I did an interview this morning, actually at noon. I did an interview with a station in in uh, in New Mexico. And they are talking about what the now that the governor in New Mexico got a second term, how she's starting to act a bit different, not differently, uh, both with the natives, with the with the, with the indigenous folks, etc. Uh, again, that is what new liberals do. Again, they, they, they take on the liberal mantra when they need to, but they are ultimately neoliberals. That is the things we have to fight against, Rudnan. And so don't get mad, get even. Don't get mad vote. Don't get mad. We are going to get it done. That's why we're here, my brother. And that's why this is your place. All right. Third item from Rodney. Now we are going to see the next few days as we all watch establishment Democrats fold on promises. If Gavin Newsom wants to show he's a progressive ally, he'd appoint Katie Porter to the vacant seat. But we all know he won't know because he's a point. Look, he's holding the seat for a woman of color. That is, uh, uh, look, I, first of all, I pretty much think that's just putting that out there. Look, I, I, I'm a black dude. I'm a Latino dude. But I'm going to tell you, having a governor just come out and say that uh, that this Senate seat is going to be held for a woman of color. I understand that the Senate needs diversity. There's no doubt about it. Right. But California is one state where uh, uh, Miss Lee can win if she makes her if she makes her progressive case, just as Katie Porter could win if she makes her progressive case. I am a Katie Porter fan. I What I love about Katie Porter is Katie Porter is young. Katie Porter knows the message and Katie Porter knows the numbers, right? Uh, progressives need radical progressives out there that know all these things. I, I love Barbara Lee. I, I, I love Barbara Lee. I just think the time is now for the younger generation. I think the time is now for uh, uh, somebody like Katie Porter. So, but what I think he's going to do, uh, what I think the governor is going to do is appoint a woman of color who isn't going to run in the 2024 election, thus giving it open season for whoever needs to win to win based on what the people of California want. Okay. So that's where I am there, sir. Um, uh, let's see what else. Big news out of Georgia today with Fulton County. DA announcing plea deals being offered to, uh, offered to Trump lawyers, Sidney Powell and Ken Cheesebro. And the judge announcing the possibility that six more Trump code conspirators may be tried on 1023. Michael Popak of Legal AF explains while why this just got bad real fast for Trump under either scenario that I know one of the scenarios is that it means a shortened time. All right. Lee Grant says, hey, y'all from Magnolia, Texas. How you doing, brother Grant? Uh, hey, Grant, I, I actually indirectly mentioned you on my interview about uh, it's worth it on my book interview with a, a station in uh, New Mexico today. Actually, very good stuff about you, uh, you know, but. I'll tell you about that some other time. Paul Fleming says, new federal district judge Jones denies Jeff Clark's attempt to remove the state court case to federal court. Yeah, that's good. Bridge MCP says, Michael could only read half and it scrolled away. Not sure why you are upset. Please post link again. 
let's continue. Let's continue. Paul Fleming says, E2247 says, hello, relatives. Hello. Uh, Paul Fleming says, we have a plea break by Scott Hall in the Fulton County case against Trump. Yes, we too. Okay, what else we got here? What else we got here? What else we got here? All right. Eric Hayes says, U.S. mortgage rates climbed to 7.31, hitting their highest rate in nearly 23 years. A new and improved Bidenomics, U.S. mortgage rates urged to, uh, to their highest level in nearly 23 years this week as inflation pressures persist. The 30-year fixed rate mortgage at 7.31 in the week ending 28, uh, up from 7.19 the week before, according to the data from Freddie Mac released Thursday. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate was 6.7. The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage has hit the highest since 2000, said Camp Freddie Mac, chief economist, in a statement. However, unlike the turn of the millennium, house prices today are rising alongside mortgage rates, primarily due to low inventory. These headwinds are causing both buyers and sellers to hold out for better circumstances, and that's what they need to do. Hold out for better circumstances. They hold out. The banks are going to drop those rates. And number two, they hold out, the price of homes will fall. Now, I want to say something about the uh, about the thinking process. Please tell me what does uh, Biden has to do with interest rates? Uh, I listened to a piece by Richard Wolf earlier today, and Richard Wolf re- re- recounted much of the things that I said on this show day after day after day. Inflation is not controlled by the president. Inflation is controlled by the two by the one to three percent of the people who control our economy, who have the ability to raise prices, irrespective of whether their prices went up or not. And that's what they did. They increased prices, even though their prices didn't go up. And how do we know that? We can look at what they paid for raw material and we can look at what their profit margins were and their profit margins zoomed all the way up. A lot of the materials that they bought, uh, irrespective of of uh, of uh, inventory issues, inventory did have some issues for a while. But all these things occurred because the plutocracy chose to make a profit on your back. That's why all the strikes that are going on right now are essential because uh, they want to raise prices. We raise the price of our labor. Let's see who wins. And if they continue, we just stop working. Let's see who wins. Because remember, rich people in the aggregate are parasites. They do nothing with their hands. They do nothing with their minds other than finding a way to get mon- get you to work for them and you to make money for them. Do remember that. That is imperative that you understand that. That way you understand your worth. Egberto the repeats are for Bridge who asked me to do it. Got you, brother. Got you, got you, got you. All right, continue. In every case, says, do not believe either the media or government when they tell you everything is okay with inflation. Everything is okay with inflation. They have the choice of, of not raising prices. Inflation isn't a magical thing. Inflation occurs when the people who price things choose to raise their prices. Nothing magical about it. But unfortunately, we don't teach Americans the way they should. But, you know, hopefully those who listen to politics and right would get right there. Michael Rodden, Barbara Lee, Katie Porter. I like them both. I like Barbara Lee and Katie Porter. I am biased towards Katie Porter. As you know, I put a whole lot of her material in my blogs because she's always on point and she knows how to embarrass the CEOs where they need to be embarrassed. John Cotter is hello from Amsterdam. My brother is in Amsterdam. We all need to call our house reps and tell them to get the government funded. Whoop, whoop. I agree with you 100%. John Cotter, how you doing? 
flying those big birds all around the world. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Maywood says, watch the news this weekend. Big march for housing tomorrow. We're in California. I imagine Daniel Edo says, no surprise, douch bag are going to be douch bags. And Millie had been a douch bag for decades. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, let, <laughs> it's amazing those people who stop looking in the mirror, stop looking in the mirror, stop looking in the mirror. All right. Uh, let's see. E2247 says, you all know I've been here daily for years. PDR Posse is intelligent enough to wrap its minds around it. This sober, least bass point. I'll make comments in the chat. Get posted with emojis. Thank you, brother. All right. Let's see. E2247 also says, when we see comments in the chat, post with emojis rolling on the floor laughing. It is what the comments by an ignorant person. All right. Let's go ahead and continue. Uh, scrolling down. Lee Grant says, a quest for a woman of color got us Kamala. And what's wrong with Kamala? Look, I am not, look, Kamala, there's nothing wrong with Kamala. Kamala would make a great president that without a problem, not a problem. Now, would she be the president that I want based on her, uh, what she likes economically? Not necessarily so, but there's no difference. I mean, Kamala won't make a lesser president than any Republican that has run thus far. There's nothing wrong with Kamala, Mr. Grant. Kamala is an intelligent woman, a very smart woman. The problem too often is black women of stature have a tendency to be, to, to, they always have a tendency to give them a hard time. If you doubt it, just take a look at history. Just take a look at history. Look at what you just said, Lee Grant. A woman of color, Kamala, as if that's a bad thing. Come on, Lee Grant, you're better than that. John Cotter says, Katie Porter uses facts to promote progressive ideas. And that's what I love about her. That's what I love about her. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Michael Rodin says, Gavin Newsom promised to seat, uh, the seat to Barbara Lee, the only member of Congress who voted against the invasion of Afghanistan. You won't need to wait long. That promise will be broken. I don't remember him promising that to Barbara Lee. Maybe give me the corroboration for that uh i, I mean I, I i hear you but i i don't remember and i kind of follow this stuff i don't remember where uh where he promised it to barbara lee i don't put it this way if he had promised that to barbara lee it is something that he i don't think he should have done but again i don't know you tell me all right okay let oh i still have more to go here you guys have written so much already but i got a lot of videos to show Let's see. I'm looking down. I'm looking down. I'm looking down. Okay, guys. I'm going to start playing our videos. Egberto Goss posts a GoFundMe for the government. <laughs> Funny. Paul says, new. One of Rudy Giuliani's lawyers, L. David, files a motion to withdraw as counsel. Wolf is one of Giuliani's local. Of course, he can't pay him, right? You know, everything is money. Norman Reynolds is in the house. How is my brother doing? Welcome aboard, Norman. GOP politicians are hoping for a handout from the win red. Trump won't get it. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. What else we got here? Egberto, I've turned around on Kamala Harris, previously not a supporter. She's not a progressive, as I would uh, hope, on economic and environmental. But I'll take that what I can get. I appreciate that because I think people have to give folks a, a better look, benefit of the doubt. All right. Paul Fleming says she's back. That's all these who'll see besides she's a woman. She's black is what you meant. You said back. I got you, Paul Fleming. I got you. She's just as smart as the last four Republican presidents. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, Paul. I disagree. 
She is smarter. Thank you. Paul Fleming says the only problem he sees is that she's a black person, a woman that is smarter than the last four uh, presidents. Uh, a woman is probably smarter than the last three Democratic presidents, too. I mean, you take a look, look at how Nancy Pelosi performed in the House. Tell, show me a male, uh, a male speaker of the House that was as good as Nancy Pelosi. I can't name one. But again, there's a reason why this occurs. When you are a, a minority, when, especially when you're a woman, you have to come out 10, 20 times better just to be recognized as equal. Anyway, you know, if you want to see some hypocrisy, I've got some hypocrisy to show you. Uh, you know, uh, Kassar, uh, a, a congressman, new congressman, young, I think he's a Gen Xer, not a Gen Xer, I think he's a millennial from Austin. He, he, he gave, he posited a question to uh, the, the panel yesterday, the hearing. He said, how many, how may, raise your hand if you want, if either uh, Hunter Biden or Donald Trump is found guilty that you want them to suffer the consequences of sell, said guilt equally, right? I want you to see this response because it just shows you exactly where the Republican politicians are. And it shows you they definitely do not believe in equity. Check this out. Please raise your hand if you believe both Hunter and Trump should be held accountable for any of the indictments against them if convicted. I want to see whether you raise your hand. Should Hunter and Trump both be held accountable if they are found guilty on any of their indictments? Raise your hand if you think that equal justice under the law applies and Trump should be held accountable. I think it is worse than embarrassing that Republicans won't raise their hands. Absolutely so. It's embarrassing that when you when you're asked a specific question of that sort, which is asked all of the times, that that uh, that is the, the, the case. OK, you should remember uh, that alone proves this is a sham. But anyway, I got a longer one for you. And check this one out. Uh, actually, I don't need to prep it because it's already prepped. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. The ineptitude of the Republican politicians in Congress could not be uh, on better display than we saw during the hearing, the Hunter Biden hearings, the impeachment hearings for uh, the impeachment hearings for the president of the United States, which is nothing but a sham. But anyhow, these guys actually tried to doctor documents to make it seem that there was something shady going on between the president's son and one of the president's relatives. And somehow that had some sort of an impact on the president. I mean, talking about different layers of indirection to try to put one of the nation's most uh, most uh, important ways to uh, to give justice to a politician. It is just amazing that these guys are so inept. But if you're lying, you have to try. But if you're going to be lying, you at least have to try to make things done in a manner that have some plausibility or some way to succeed. That Byron Donald, whatever his name is, could the representative could bring a document and and the Democrats within the span of that hearing 
go do their research and find out that what he had was plagiarism. What he had was doctored. It just shows you which side of the aisle has the intellect, which side of the aisle does the work, which side of the aisle is into doing things the moral way, the ethical way. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. No new facts were introduced that, that weren't already entered into the record. That did not stop the theatrics and the Republicans and did, did not stop members of the committee from pretending they had evidence like that. Most notably, Florida Congressman Byron Donalds. Next slide, please. For my colleagues on the other side, we're going to start talking evidence now. Oh, this is a fun one. Ladies and gentlemen, this one is from 2018. This is about four months before Joe Biden launched his campaign for president of the United States. December 2018. The highlight is, this is a text message between Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden was in a bad way, by the way. He was, he was really strung out. He lost a bunch of money. He needed help. Jim Biden says, this can work. You need a safe harbor. I can work with your father alone. It'll probably take several months and everybody can read the text. Now, again, none of that's actual evidence of an impeachable offense by President Joe Biden. But the real issue with that presentation is that the congressman from Florida apparently brought in fabricated Photoshop slides of text messages as his supposed evidence, which eliminated the actual context and was incredibly deceptive. And he was subsequently called out on it in the hearing by his colleague, New York Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Earlier today, one of our colleagues, a gentleman from Florida, presented up on this screen something that looked, appeared to be a screenshot of a text message containing or insinuating an explosive allegation. That screenshot of what appeared to be a text message was a fabricated image. It was a fabricated image. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was the staff of the committee, but it was not the actual direct screenshot from that phone. And in fact, I would like to submit to the committee the actual full context from as a, from the Ziegler affidavit number one, exhibit 402 of the full text of that exchange. Do I have permission from the chair? Uh, okay. Importantly, what was brought out from, from that fabricated image excluded critical context that changed the underlying meaning and allegation that was presented up on that screen by this committee and by, by members of this committee. This was one, this was a really striking moment. There was a much larger part of the, the, the text that sort of altered what, what that conversation about getting a job was really uh, about. How did, how did you catch that? And what does it say that that's the evidence they're using in this, their first impeachment inquiry? Well, you know, I think this just speaks to the tremendous amount of teamwork that we've been able to accomplish on the House Oversight Committee. Of course, uh, it's an honor to be the vice ranking member under Congressman Jamie Raskin, who we just heard from. And I think the leadership and the collaboration in that committee and also the depth and dedication of work, people have been pouring over these documents, at least those documents that House Republicans are even divulging before and sharing with the public before the hearing. But, um, but, you know, I think immediately 
when this screenshot was raised. First, this was not something that that had been seen before, but vaguely had seemed familiar. I think we had our committee staff really tearing through every possible document to try to piece together how this possibly even came to be. And I think we were finally able to match up in real time uh, what the actual context was as opposed to what, uh, what Congressman Byron Donalds chose to put on that screen. And it really cannot be understated how deceptive that was to take, to take critical messages out of context, to tear apart the context that they're in, and then to Photoshop a text message bubble to make it look like it's reconstructed back on a phone. And this is supposed to be the Republican case for impeachment. I mean, at this point, we should be investigating the investigation <laughs> for for the, the ethical conduct that is happening on the Republican side of the aisle. And I think, frankly, they knew, the Republican Party knew that this was cooked and done from the beginning. Their star witnesses that they called in today said in their opening statements that there is not evidence to support articles of impeachment against the president of the United States. And so this was done from the start. I am quite not really sure why they decided to embarrass themselves in this manner today. Um, but it was evident. You could feel it. It was palpable in the hearing room. You saw Byron Donalds there in that split screen. He himself was embarrassed, slouching in his chair. I don't know what was quite going through their minds. But, you know, this is all that these Republican politicians have. They have no other answer. When you have policies that are based on lies, when you have uh, things that you're trying to accomplish to, for supposedly for your people that are really for uh, the corporatocracy, uh, the only way you can have people support you is to lie to them. And that is what they are great at showboating. And lying. And when you confront them uh, head on, fact based, but not only fact based, but bring the communities in so that they can see the evil within, so that they can see how these people operate out in an unethical manner, then you can make, uh, make headway. But the first thing that has to come is you have to be willing to engage them. You have to be willing to meet them where they are and knock them out where they are. And I'm talking figuratively, of course, because I tell you, their lies have a tendency to metastasize. That is why some polls show this race sort of close because the lying, the, the, the constancy of the lies, the constancy of the misinformation, the, uh, the un, un, unanswered misinformation that's out there, the, the, uh, the Democrats using the wrong type of informational sources to get to their people, using elitist, uh, elitist uh, uh, analysts, elitist consultants, instead of using grassroots people, uh, independent media to get their message out. They're, they're, the, the Democrats simply not doing things as they should. Now, you look at our grassroots folk, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It wasn't hard for her to go ahead and find that these guys were full of it. And throughout that entire hearing, the Republican politicians looked like Fools, And the reason why is they brought a case that was, first of all, a lie. But secondly, 
a an unresearched, un unrehearsed, unprepared lie. So they didn't even try to build the backstop behind this. They just thought that they would come out there, lie to the American people. The uh, the Democrats would just huff and huff and huff because they didn't get enough information, but they forgot. Everything is electronic these days. Everything is something that folks can get access to. And you, you pay the right people uh, appropriately and they will find the fraud. And that's exactly what uh, Alexandria Ocasio and her team did. They found the fraud. And you know what? Let, let me let me make a prediction. This Hunter Biden stuff will stay active in the right wing space where where people don't see any other news. But as far as for the rest of the country, it's done. When you have your own witnesses come out and tell you there's not enough evidence here to talk about impeachment, it is done. We have a, a closure coming in. The, the, they're, they're shutting down the government now. It is done. So uh, for all of those folks that are hoping to find something on Hunter, uh, that what Hunter has uh, some interaction between Hunter and his daddy, where the daddy was financially uh, got financial gain out of what Hunter did. Forget it. It's done. So to my dear brother, progressives and sisters, progressives, it's over. They're going to ramble about it for a minute and you're, they're going to go on TV and talk about Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. It's over. They've made the fool of themselves. And every time they go there now, that is the lens that folks are going to see this hearing through. It's over. It is definitely over. It's done. When I say it's done, I mean it because we have the baseline. The clowns don't understand that. They gave the baseline and the baseline. All we are going to run going forward. Every time somebody comes up with a Hunter Biden thing, just play their own person saying there's nothing here that's impeachable. Every time they put up, play the play the Republicans own witnesses that says there's nothing here that it's impeachable. I have never seen such a level of incompetence. But like I said, when you are working from lies, incompetency is goes uh, goes with the system. It goes with the system. So what can I say? Um, sad, sad, sad. Anyway, E two two four seven six. Berto, my coda friend. Uh, the knack you for the daily efforts, and I mean, uh, thank you for their daily efforts and your daily work to pull us relatives together move into greater complexity and consciousness right now. That's what we do. Big hug to everybody. Melanie Keelan is in the house. Welcome, Melanie Keelan. I don't think I saluted you before. Uh, I think I got E2247, and I don't see anybody else that I failed to salute yet, but great having you here. Love you all. Love you all. Love you all. Love you all. Okay, let's go to the next video. This one here is Mike Lawler. You know, the shutdown is on the horizon, folks. The shutdown is on the horizon. Who's to be blamed? Who's to be blamed? Well, let's listen to see what Republican leaders think. Who do they think should be blamed again? Maybe we should listen to what they have to say. Once again, Republican politicians prove that they do not know how to govern. Their, their lack of the ability to govern is something that hurts us all. It hurts the country. They don't care that many people are going to be left without paychecks. They don't care that in a system where 
most of the people are living paycheck to paycheck because of their policies in the first place. Decade after decade, they are now going to put them further at peril because they want to hang up in their corner and say it's either the way that 12 of us want it or so or the highway. Doesn't matter what 400 representatives and and over 90 senators want. It doesn't matter. We 12 are going to be obstinate. We're not going to give in. We're going to shut the government down. If we don't get all these things that we want, that is implausible. They don't know how to govern. Well, watch how some of their own politicians of that persuasion, of the Republican persuasion, think about them. Check this out. Then we'll take it on the other side. Political, moral, substantive bankruptcy of the Republican Party was on full display today, live in front of the cameras on the Capitol. A shutdown is bad. It would disrupt all sorts of government services and millions of federal employees, both civilian and military, would not get paid. And everyone, I mean, basically unanimously understands that if a shutdown happens, which looks pretty likely, it will be entirely the fault of House Republicans. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to none other than Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, who says his house is doing their job. So the Senate and the House are quite different, as you know, and uh, I think in the Senate, we're going to continue to try to reach an agreement, pass it on a bipartisan basis, and hopefully keep the government open. I mean, even House Republicans themselves know who is to blame. Speaker Kevin McCarthy explained that there are members of his caucus who just want to burn the whole thing down. Look, I don't think anybody wins by government being shut down. Understand the few people here want to hold it out. Why do the border agents have to? Why do Coast Guard have to? Why do they have to not be paid because somebody wants to throw something here? The somebody there, just to be clear, Kevin McCarthy is talking about his own House Republican members. Another House Republican, Mike Lawler of New York, was even more explicit, calling it a clown show. This is not uh, conservative republicanism. This is stupidity. Uh, the idea that we're going to shut the government down uh, when we don't control the Senate, we don't control the White House. These people can't define a win. They don't know how to take yes for an answer. Uh, it's a clown show. You keep running lunatics, you're going to be in this position. To call, you keep electing lunatics. This is what you get. Not my words. Those are the words of Lawler, another Republican politician who is sensible. He says, look, understand this. We don't own the House. We don't own the Senate. We don't own the presidency. We have a slim, slim majority in the House. How can you expect to want to dictate what's, uh, what's going to happen? You want to dictate it? Get more of you elected. But the fact of the matter is they don't understand governing. They don't understand what it takes to govern. Uh, is that what America is going to take here and elect again back in 2024? I doubt it. But we still have to get to 2024. Uh, I, I have a feeling Democrats are going to play a much bigger role in the House going forward. 
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel. And number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us, please join. Oops, I lost my mouse for a minute. I lost my mouse for a minute. Anyway, folks, um, Lee Grant says the uh, uh, we go through government shutdown uh, brinksmanship all the time. Yeah, the Republicans like to shut down the government and they never get the result. They shut the government down for. Check the records. It's always a failure. My, even Mitch McConnell is telling you that don't do it. It's always a failure. But you know what they say? Some people are insane. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And it seems like some quite a few are insane. Melanie Keelan, how you doing, young lady? How you doing, young lady? And May Wood is also in the house along with Shakula. Hairstylist who says the lizard people use up all our heath care, all our health care funds when they regrow their limbs. Anyway, get out, lizard people. Anyway, um, so so yes, uh, folks, John Cotter says, unless you are one of those furloughed workers or someone that doesn't receive needed service. I mean, that is so that is how, you know, again, the, the lack of empathy that, that a lot of people have, including these Congress people, what we should do is hold their pay. Hold everything that they can do. Make sure that they can't use the government services either. Uh, let's see how often they want to shut down the government there. A history of government shutdown. The 14 times uh, find, uh, uh, funding has lapsed in 19, since 1980. Funding has lapsed since 1980. That's a good one. Let's see what that looks like, Bridge, if, it, if it's something I can put on the screen. Uh, parver, parver, parver. Oh, it's a, it's an article, folks. So go read the article that Bridge just put out there for us. Uh, good article. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see, let's see. Norman Reynolds says there is no, th there is no the minority as the GOP. It is the whole GOP that is at fault for shutdown and child poverty. Absolutely so. No doubt, no doubt. The entire party is complicit in doing this. Uh, Bree says it's not just the Republican, it's also Dems under Reagan. That is true. That is true. And that is what the, you remember you had those Dems called the, 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 what was it called? Um, uh, the Reagan Democrats. I mean, I got the two words, the Reagan Democrats. They, they were a whole bunch of baby boomers, you know, baby boomers who pretty much were the selfish folk who just wanted tax cuts, tax cut. It was appealing to them, not realizing that in the long run, it actually hurt them as well, because as the budget deficit goes up, what the, the, the positive that they, that government could do for them in the future was lost. In other words, they sold their soul to rich people. Hey, got a lot of people watching and we only have seven uh, chimes up, thumbs up. Folks, if you're on, please give me the thumbs up. If you are on, please give me the thumbs up and consider clicking that join button. We need all the support we can get to keep the message going. We have some more videos that we got to show you. Yesterday when I left, I said I was going to have a very long night because I had a whole lot of stuff to process. 
And that's what I did. Processed, I did process. I still have some more to process for you. This one here is Joanne Reed. I love what Joanne Reed did here. It is very important what she did here because it is also very, very true. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. I want you to check this piece out by Joanne Real. She appropriately nailed the mainstream media. Sometimes you have to wonder what these guys are thinking about when they're covering stories, when they're doing this versus that type of stories. I, I, I love what Joanne Reed did. Check it out now and then we'll take it on the other side. If you pick up any newspaper or peruse any news website, you'll see a lot of talk about President Biden's age. Yesterday, Axios posted this nifty headline about Biden wearing sneakers and exercising because he's old. The article doesn't say much beyond that, and they don't actually talk about the former president's age, despite Trump being just three years younger than Trump. For an industry that loves to both sides us and will easily both sides us into autocracy, it really doesn't seem to both sides this particular one. If they did, there would be robust conversation about Trump's age or, more importantly, his mental acuity. Recently, he told supporters that it was Jeb Bush, you know, Jeb, the former Florida governor, who led us into the Iraq war. When I came here, everyone thought Bush was going to win. They thought Bush because Bush supposedly was a military person. Great. You know what? He was a military. He got us into the uh, he got us into the Middle East. How did that work out? Right. But they all thought that uh, Bush might win. Jeb. <laughs> yeah, Jeb's the other one. I'm still waiting for a long dissertation from a myriad of fair and balanced news organizations about that gap or any of the other times that Trump was confused or incoherent. Belgium is a beautiful city. I said, we've just launched 59 missiles heading to Iraq. Well, you headed to Syria. Yes, heading toward Syria. And I want you to know that. Our army manned the airport. It ran the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do. And at Fort McHenry, under the rocket's red glare, it had nothing but victory. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside? You know, you have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have, you have ID to buy a loaf of bread. And we did with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. We would be in World War II if we're going to be relying on this man. The fact remains that President Biden and Donald Trump are both older. But isn't the more important question who has actually delivered for the American public and who's willing to preserve our democracy? Because only Trump has led an insurrection, been indicted on 91 felony counts and been found civilly liable for sexual assault, also guilty of property valuation fraud in a civil case literally yesterday. And only Trump has called for the execution of military officials, slung an anti-Semitic attack on American Jews on an important Jewish holiday, vowed to silence the media, promised to imprison his political opponents, threatened war against Mexico and ended abortion access in nearly half of the U.S. But please, please, media, tell me more about Biden's sneakers. Uh, you take a look at somebody like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is obese. Donald Trump has showed wear and tear coming down. Since Donald Trump has showed with his character, with the way he thinks that 
in fact, he is older than his 77, whereas we can all say that uh, brother Biden is young for his 80 years, given the biking and cycling that he can do. So, yes, these two guys are are fairly old. Not only are they fairly old, when you're dealing with older folks, anything can happen. Would you like to have a vice president if someone had to take over uh, the person that Trump would choose or the some somebody else that Biden would choose? I mean, the fact of the matter is simple. There's a good likelihood because these guys get good Medicare, medical care, that they will that they will do just fine. But that said, uh, if we're comparing uh, Donald Trump to Joe Biden, there's absolutely no comparison with regards to mental acuity, with regards to uh, physical stamina and regards to health, given a fit person who can ride a bike as opposed to an obese person who likely hadn't ever gone on a bike. We spend a lot of time exactly. deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form. exactly a guy who likely had not ridden a bike, a guy who had not. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I won't read that. But anyhow, I got one more video for you. And then we're done. Like I said, we had so much to give and there's so much more that I'm going to have to trim up. But I tell you what, spend a lot of time doing this. I think you're going to love this one. This is Michael Steele. You know, Michael Steele, when he's critiquing, he's very entertaining. I want you guys to check this out. Then we'll take it en el otro lado on the other side. Rachel Amato uh, played a clip from the Windsor debate of Senator Tim Scott that came out and said, oh, America is not a racist country. The, bl the black Senator Tim Scott, this is. America is not a racist country. And, uh, you know, it's all is great. Ta -da -ta 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 -ta. And then she brought on RNC chair uh, Michael Steele, who was the first black RNC chair. Actually, he was placed there to sort of uh, uh, to counteract Obama at the time. He didn't last very long. I think after two years, he was gone, something like that. But anyway, she wanted to hear uh, Michael Steele stance on what Tim Scott said. But more profoundly, she wanted to figure out what his thoughts were of the Republican debate. I could have told you what he would say because the Republican debate, one would think these people lived in an alternate reality and then there's Trump. And of course, Trump himself lived in yet another alternate reality and uh, it was just a mess. But I think Michael Steele perfectly illustrated the problem with the Republican party. Check this out, then we'll take it on the other side. America has suffered because of slavery, but we've overcome that. We are the greatest nation on earth because we faced our demons in the mirror and made a decision. Our nation continues to go in the right direction. It's why I can say I have been discriminated against, but America is not a racist country. Never, ever doubt who we are. We are the greatest country on God's green earth. Former RNC Chairman Michael Steele. Tell me why that moment spoke to you from the debate tonight. It didn't. It was a load of... <laughs>
was a load of crocs. Black man sitting up there talking about there's no racism, there's no discrimination, no discrimination, no racism. This this debate was just a farce. I really I've been sitting here listening to you folks, and I have to give you all plaudits for actually trying to do analysis of what was the most amazing crap show we have seen of a debate. And I've done a lot of debates in my 45 years of politics. Um, this thing was an embarrassment. It was a national embarrassment. It was a political embarrassment for the Republican Party. Um, and Donald Trump didn't have to show up. There's no reason for Donald Trump to even come near these folks because they can't touch him. He'll be at 60% in two weeks, sure. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. And the reality, when you have a candidate who can't talk about slavery, when you have two candidates arguing over curtains, when you've got another candidate sitting there saying, you know, yeah, Putin's a bad guy, but I still love him. Where, where do you go? You're standing in, in political hallowed ground at the Reagan Library. And this struck me more than anything else. You have these guys standing here in this library. Reagan took Russia to task. Reagan bankrupted Russia, put it on its knees, broke it. And not one of them could even talk about that. Not one of them could connect that dot to this current moment of what's happening with Ukraine. And that says a lot about this this troop of candidates and the state of this party. Um, and the other thing, the other takeaway for me, Rachel, Democrats, I don't know why the hell you are tied with these people. How does that happen? What are you doing? Why can't you communicate coherently to the American people? You got this and then you've got what we've done over the last two years. I don't get it. So this the whole campaign is setting itself up to be a Donald Trump bloodbath um, on the Constitution, on democracy, because he's going to continue to appeal to the lowest common denominator because seemingly no one knows how to counter that narrative. Michael Steele could not have been more right. The, for all practical purposes, the Republican primary is over and it's over with Trump winning in a landslide and Trump intends to have as Michael said a bloodbath in uh, it's going to be a, a, who could get to the bottom of the pale quicker to determine who's going to win the election of 2024 if we allow him to do it what needs to be done of course is quite a bit different what we need to do is fight with all cylinders flowing uh, for a change, the Democrats need to leave what they are normally used to use, which is ivory tower consultants, and they now need to go into com the communities effective now. They need to go to the social media influencers effective uh, in, in now. They need to go to the independent progressive bloggers and news stations effective now. If they have any inklings of what Republicans have done over the last several years to actually affect their their brand and allow the cauterization of their beliefs into the minds of people. That's what they've done. They've infiltrated every aspect of your life. The 
progressive consultants out there in their ivory towers in Washington think they can throw a few commercials on air, a few ads on air, a few radio programs, a few ads in a newspaper, whatever, and think they're going to make a difference. That's not how it's done. Michael Steele, uh, you nailed it on the uh, Republican debate. One hopes that Democrats would look at things in such a manner differently than they did before, because you know what? They're going to need to. Absolutely, they're going to need to. Anyway, folks, but uh, we are almost at the end of the program. Please remember, this program would love to have your support. Please go to politicsdoneright.com slash support. Politicsdoneright.com slash support to support this program. That gives you all the different options that you have to support the program. You can also support us by uh, subscribing to our newsletter. Would you give uh, Politics Done Right a coffee a, a, a month? There we go. PoliticsDoneRight.com slash newsletter. Our newsletter goes out every morning at every every weekday morning at five o'clock. On Sundays, we give you the uh, we, we give you a what do you call that? A, not, um, a synopsis of what occurred during the rest of the week. And intermittently, we send you other items on our newsletter. But do remember, anybody who subscribed to our newsletter by going to politicsunright.com slash newsletter, you get access to all five of my books. Right now, there are two of them already uploaded to uh, to the Substack site where the newsletter is hosted so that you can read those books free of charge. We are going to be uploading the other three. And of course, every book that I write thereafter all my newsletter subscribers will have access to absolutely every one of my books, including from the ones that are already done to the ones that I'm writing in the future. You will have access to all of my books as a subscriber to our newsletter. So you see, we're trying to give you something to help us promote the message, to help us do what we're doing here. So you get something and we get to do what we need to do to move the progressive message. Seven, uh, I was about to give 7135 that number. I always remember that in there. So please, folks, support Politics and Right. How is the best to support it? Uh, go ahead and subscribe to our newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter, or go to politicsandright.com slash support. I guarantee you that we work very hard for the support that many of you who are already great supporters, we just need about five times the amount of supporters we have right now because this is not really sustainable as we're doing it. It's uh, it's it's really affecting quite a bit. But again, but again, we have the faith that we must be doing this to save the country. And there are a lot of other folks doing exactly what we are doing. So folks, don't forget, go to politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter and support the program. My name is, first of all, you guys have a wonderful weekend. You may hear from me this weekend. By the way, remember to keep in touch with me on Instagram. And we, we put a lot of outtakes on Instagram. We put a lot of outtakes on, on TikTok. We put a lot of outtakes on, on uh, you know, one minute outtakes so that it can kind of bring a whole lot of our different clips in, in a, in a good form, an easily digestible form. Anyway, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Oh!
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.